0: There's stigma around people with addictions, there's more stigma around women with addictions, and there's maybe no one more stigmatized than pregnant women with addictions. Today's episode is all about pregnant women with opioid use disorders and some of the considerations for that particular group. Welcome to Surviving Opioids Beyond an Epidemic podcast, where we talk all things opioid addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jeff Simone. The purpose of this show is to hear from all different people who have been impacted by the crisis and to let you know that although we've lost a lot of good people the past decade, we also do recover. You're going to get a lot of episodes where I try to pack a ton of value into addressing specific topics that help you understand exactly what's going on out there. As somebody recovering from an opioid addiction myself and who works professionally with this population every day, I try to offer a unique perspective that you might not be getting from other shows. If you enjoyed the episode, give it a rating, leave a review, share it with somebody. All that helps increase exposure to keep the conversation going. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. So probably no one is more stigmatized than a pregnant woman with an addiction. And there's this myth out there that women recovering from drug addictions aren't good mothers, and it's not true. I've seen addicted women start to recover and do great. I've seen some continue to spiral and have a lot of trouble. I've seen non-addicted women have babies and address their own mental health issues and do great. I've seen non-addicted women struggle badly after having a baby. So, the addiction itself is certainly not the deal breaker. I'll tell you one thing that is a huge liability for an addicted mom, though, you know, raising a child is just this nonstop gossip and judgment that they have to deal with. Culturally, nobody is as judged, and I mean no one, more than an addicted mother of a young child. Man, they get it so bad. Addicted pregnant women absorb that shame and stigma both of which are major deterrents in themselves to getting good treatment and seeking help. So, it's in no way helpful for anybody. So, hopefully this episode answers some of the basic myths and misinformation around what the research shows is the best for this particular for this particular population. Because with support, encouragement, reassurance along with good medical care, of course, the woman can have a comfortable, healthy pregnancy, you know, deliver a healthy baby and be a wonderful new mom like anybody else. I have some topics written down here that I want to address. I'll be bouncing around a little bit. And one of them is with testing, okay, you know, drug testing of of pregnant women that comes up once in a while, whether it's for alcohol or some other drugs, testing is not universal. All states and facilities do do it a little bit differently, I have no problem in general with screening pregnant women for illicit drugs, just so long as the doctors remain friendly, supportive, and non-judgmental, regardless of the outcome of that test. A big problem is that is that women who are using substances might fear the legal consequences and choose to neglect pregnancy and some basic newborn care preparations rather than submit to a drug test. Like, for example, in some states, you know, doctors are mandated to report mothers with substance use problems to child service agency. while other states offer treatment programs. But identifying and treating a substance use disorder as early as possible is in everybody's best interest. Like all pregnant women, those with OUD need good prenatal care, preferably from a doctor who has experience with high-risk pregnancies, or at least is friendly towards women who use substances. Ideally, the woman would visit the doctor as soon as possible. You want to tell the obstetrician about the addiction. That might feel weird to do, but trust me, this stuff will make its way out eventually. So trying to hide things isn't going to help at all in most cases. you know, Get, get regular checkups, have the pregnancy monitored. The sooner that you get in to see a doctor the better. This next point might sound obvious, but it's worth mentioning pregnant women who are addicted to a short acting opioid, you know, fentanyl or heroin or something need to stop using those particular drugs. If possible, the risk of overdose is is very high. You could die. Oxygen supply could get reduced to the fetus, or at least just you might be at a much higher risk of miscarriage or, or stillbirth. So there's a world of difference between a long-acting opioid that provides smooth, clean, predictable coverage of the receptors, you know, like a methadone kind of thing, versus the up and down toxicity of heroin or prescription painkillers. Pregnant women who abuse opioids are in a very unstable body, uh, like a very unstable physical state with these with these fluctuating periods of intoxication and withdrawal. Heroin and painkillers cross the placenta, they get to the fetus, it's not a good environment for fetal development, fetal growth, it can lead to you know, premature, complicated labor, which of course has many negative consequences down the line, it's going to affect the newborn for sure, um, untreated addiction in, in pregnant women, it's also linked to higher risk behaviors, that's, that's not unusual, you know, prostitution, crime sexually transmitted infections, violence, stuff like that, legal troubles, incarceration. So there needs to be urgency about addressing that situation as quickly as possible. Proper treatment and supportive care do go a long way. Some women who become pregnant while using opioids want to stop using on their own in in secrecy. But this is risky, and I, and I really wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if you've been trying to do that for years, without having the stress of a pregnancy and haven't been able to do it, the chance that you're suddenly gonna muster the strength to get off and stay off at this point, it's just, it's low, you know, it's very low. Studies show that eight out of 10 pregnant women return to drug use within a month after detoxing on their own. And they're always at much greater risk of overdose. Also the fact that going through opioid withdrawal with no medical support, it would immediately cause complete withdrawal to the fetus, which will result in huge risks for the pregnancy and to the baby. I say it a lot. Drug withdrawal, like opioid withdrawal is way more traumatizing to the body than regular uses. It is, it's much, much harder on the brain and body to be going through these periods of detoxification, retoxification. They're in a much worse physiological state than just somebody who stays on high doses for long periods of time. It's that cycle of withdrawal and then full intoxication. That's what's really hard on the adult body. So you can just imagine what it's doing to the developing fetus. So again, much more problematic to put the baby into withdrawal than it is to for them to stay bathed in a consistent level of opioids for the next nine months. Offering medication-assisted treatment during pregnancy is the recommended best practice for the care of pregnant women. Most doctors treat pregnant women with either methadone or buprenorphine. I I talked about both of those products in the last episode. These medications stop withdrawal, reduce cravings, prevent further use of illicit opiates, hopefully. Uh, Under medical supervision, methadone or buprenorphine, no question, reduces the risk of complications of pregnancy and labor. They're generally considered safe for the developing fetus, and they give the mother a chance to focus on prenatal care and her addiction treatment and recovery goals. As of yet, naltrexone isn't recommended for use. It is not recommended for use in, in pregnancy, mostly because there's they're just not a, a, a lot of experience with it, not a lot in the literature, but there are some studies, um, particularly there's a few big ones from Australia that supported safety and effectiveness for, for pregnancy and the newborn. So I guess we'll see how that plays out in the years to come. For example, if a woman completed a full detox period before, so like prior to getting pregnant and, and wanted to receive Vivitrol injections during the pregnancy, this most likely would be okay. Um, We just need more available data to end up putting that into the guidelines. So first-line treatment of of pregnant women with OUD involves taking medications in in prescribed doses during pregnancy and after the baby is born. Okay, that's very important. I'm going to touch on that in in a few minutes and a couple times throughout this episode here. I also recommend counseling of some sort. It helps women, you know, avoid and cope with situations that might lead to relapse and and supports them through the whole process. Treatment with methadone is available only only in those specialized OTP clinics, the opioid treatment programs. Buprenorphine, on the other hand, is going to be a lot more accessible. Methadone used to be the gold standard for treating pregnant women, but this is slowly changing towards buprenorphine. So if a woman wishes to be treated with buprenorphine, Providers uh, should offer it over methadone, in my opinion, unless, I should say, unless she becomes pregnant while already being treated with methadone. In that case, she should be encouraged to remain on the methadone. The basic rule of thumb is that if a woman on methadone becomes pregnant, don't stop the methadone. Okay, That's, that's, uh, that's the basic summary of the use of that medication. Under no conditions is that recommended. It is the absolute worst thing you could do if anything, some pregnant women may need to increase their dose a little bit or to take it twice a day for a little bit as they move into the third trimester to account for the presence of, of the growing fetus. And then maybe lower, go back and lower that dose a little bit after delivery. Methadone and buprenorphine do cross the placenta and they make it to the fetus like all opioids do. In both of these medications, there's some risk to the fetus, you know, Smaller birth weight is, is probably the most predictable, but usually the kids eventually catch up in, in, in growth and do develop normally. But keep in mind, although those two medications cross the placenta, they're still much lower risk than most of the other opioids, mostly because they're, they're pharmaceutical grade. We know exactly what we're getting. We're not heating up some baggie full of God knows what and injecting it right into your arm. There's absolutely no comparison when it comes to known risks of methadone in pregnancy versus the known risks of heroin use or fentanyl use in in pregnancy. And look, basically, decisions about the best course of treatment are going to be made by the mother and her treatment team, not by her partner or her parents or friends or anybody like that. These people can all contribute to the discussion if you're not being a jerk about it, of course. But it's her decision. Her and the doctor will evaluate which treatment setting and medication makes the most sense. Okay, so as far as preparing for delivery and delivery for pregnant women, it's usually not really any different than any other delivery, but it does require a few additional considerations. First, very important not to hide anything that's going on with medication treatment from your healthcare team. I do understand the instinct to hide stuff, by the way, especially if you've had experiences where being transparent about something like that has come back to bite you. So I I understand why that happens. I'm just encouraging you not to do it because you, you having opioids in your system affects the birth plan. A lot of women need a pain management plan for childbirth. Maybe they're going to be given an epidural or just some narcotic pain relievers. Either way, the fact that they have a long-acting opioid on board is going to impact that plan. So it's important that everybody know this isn't the time for secrets. Just your standard dose of methadone or buprenorphine that you're on, even though they're opioids, won't be enough the pain of childbirth in a lot of cases and you don't want to be 10 hours into labor realize that the pain is too much ask for a medication and then it to not work because the dose that they're giving you isn't able to cross past that tolerance that you have built up so be as open about that as you can possibly be right after delivery let the treatment team do its thing it's going to feel very invasive and like everybody is all up in your business but remember all women feel that to one degree or another. So you can try to look at it like the more people involved in your care while you're at the hospital or right after, the better. The doctors are going to be checking the baby very closely after birth and uh, and then deciding you know whether any medications are needed to, to help the baby during withdrawal. Usually they'll end up having to stay in the hospital for a little bit longer, staying in the NICU for, for a couple of days, maybe a maybe a week or two tapering down. And this is a time where any family or loved ones can just try to offer as much support as possible. I already mentioned that there is a ton of shame and guilt involved with delivering a baby who is dependent on opioids. So you don't need to be injecting any of that kind of stuff into this situation where she's already feeling enough guilt as it is. If a baby needs to be on a morphine drip for a couple of days... It is what it is right now. If if mom is stabilized on methadone and that gets passed to the baby, trust me, that situation is much safer than a baby getting born into the chaos of active addiction, where mom is immediately back on the street looking for how to get her next fix. The baby's going to be fine. He's being kept comfortable. Like I said, there's usually a little bit of a like a slowed growth for the first year or two, but eventually they do catch up. What you need to do is support the mom as much as possible right now to relieve some of that guilt that she's carrying. Usually there will be social workers or child protective agency that gets involved. A lot of times they'll meet with the woman right in the hospital or they might come to the house soon after. That's pretty common. So you'll want to prepare for that. Again, try not to hide anything. Hopefully there's not too much you feel like you need to hide. In most cases, Child Protective Services does want to keep the family together. And this is especially true if the new mom is actively involved in some kind of treatment. I've mentioned it about 10 times already. Staying on the medication at this point does improve chances that she will be able to care for the baby. Opioid detox is a a trauma of its own. You or the baby do not need that in your life right now. And, and all of the clinical literature is crystal clear about this. Rushing towards some super fast methadone taper right after delivery can be absolutely disastrous. You'll have plenty of time to be doing the taper stuff or, or the detox if you want. Right now, all of your focus needs to be on your stability so that you can be there and provide care. Good care for the baby. That's the number one thing by far. I understand that having child protective services involved is scary for the family, for the mother. It might feel like they're out to get you. But like I said, if you are engaged in treatment, if the baby is actively safe, what they do want is to keep that family together. In terms of the newborn's health, like I kind of mentioned before, babies born to women who are addicted to heroin or prescription opioids have been exposed to a similar amount of opioids as the mother when the baby's born you know that supply of opioids gets suddenly cut off and the baby can have temporary withdrawal or abstinence symptoms you know it's called neonatal abstinence syndrome NAS it doesn't mean that the baby is born addicted to opioids okay so that's an important point to know uh, you know a lot of people do say that it's you know, it's so sad that So-and-so's baby was born addicted to opiates. No, it's not addicted. In many cases, the baby will be physically dependent on opioids just until that taper ends. But no, addiction is a complicated disorder that has a whole set of diagnostic criteria involving obsessions and cravings and consequences. That's not what's happening here. This is just a short-term finite dependency. Every baby shows withdrawal differently. Some are going to have mild symptoms. Some really won't show any symptoms at all. A lot of them do. Peaks at about day two, maybe, maybe day three. A lot of crying. You know, maybe some shaking. Definitely trouble feeding or latching. Uh, probably some extra vomiting. Maybe some some trouble sleeping, as if the newborn doesn't already have trouble sleeping. But it might be a little bit worse than normal. But in the long run, these babies with NAS do grow as they as they would normally it really doesn't cause much lasting physical or intellectual problems in the baby, Not like nothing that's been routinely documented. Of course, the child will be at higher risk of developing an addictive disorder themselves, but this is related to the risk factor of having an addicted parent, not necessarily the chemical dependency at birth. And this is different than other drugs, like fetal alcohol syndrome, for example, is a lot worse in terms of long-term complications, the long-term complications of a mother who is dependent, physically dependent on alcohol is much worse than than somebody who was stabilized on methadone or something while they were pregnant. But those opioid withdrawal symptoms are shown to be reduced the more direct connection that the baby has with the mother right afterwards. Uh, so breastfeeding and swaddling and holding the baby against their skin, breastfeeding is actually encouraged for women who are taking methadone or buprenorphine, only very small amounts of that drug get into the breast milk and nursing has been shown to, to lessen symptoms of NAS. All right. So that's an important point that I should mention. Um, the exception here is going to be women with, with HIV um, or also women who have, who have relapsed and are actively using street drugs. Okay. So like in those couple of situations, we would not recommend breastfeeding. Uh, in those situations, the risks do outweigh the benefits. In terms of a couple weeks and months after delivery, medication and therapy should be should be continued. You know, mom needs a lot of good support, a lot of loving care from as many people as possible. Hopefully, she has people available to take care of any other children for periods of time, or at least help out. That kind of stuff does go a long way. The weeks and months right after the baby's born, it's a stressful time for women in general. And it's even more so for those who are in recovery. Really, really tough time for a lot of women. If you're able and willing to help, now's the time. Moms should be encouraged to continue treatment, continue staying on medication, checking out parent support groups, counseling, relapse prevention programs. And like I, like I keep saying, and I'll repeat it again, this is the main takeaway from this episode, this is not the time to stop medications or therapy. The longer people stay on the medication right now, the better, uh, the better chance that they're, they're going to avoid relapse. The leading predictor of relapse for anybody is going to be stress. And there is literally nothing more stressful than bringing in a baby into the world. So this is not the time to be to be playing superhero. The dose of the medication might need to be adjusted after delivery, but in no situation would I recommend that this mom who has just given birth and who had been stabilized on methadone now just quickly tries to get off it, you know, just because she gets hit with a wave of motivation one minute or because Karen from the clinic told her now is the right time for, for the detox, um, you know, Karen's and. Who's the male version of Karen? Is is it Chad? I've heard different names. Whoever. Whoever you are, you know, anybody who just wants to give advice when really they should just keep their mouths quiet, I'm talking to you guys here. All right, so that's mostly what I wanted to say. To sum up everything here, there is stigma with addiction, of course. There's stigma with addiction in women, even more so. And there is the most stigma with addiction in pregnant women. And... Maybe she has a co-occurring mental health issue on top of all that other stuff. And basically, she's carrying not only this child, but the weight of the world on her shoulders. And it's such a difficult time for her. Pregnant women with OUD need support and good advice and as much help as we can give, not judgment from the people sitting up there in the bleachers. So if you know somebody who's in this situation, this is a great time to be of service. It's a great time to help in any way that you possibly can cook some food if possible, bring some things over toys, diapers, clothes, encourage her to eat um, nutritious foods, practice like relaxation strategies, stress relieving techniques, maybe, you know, start getting into some light exercise right after she has the baby, if that gets cleared, all this stuff really goes a long way because we We as peers or as family members or as friends, we all have a huge impact on the trajectory of this woman's recovery, which will ultimately result in the trajectory of this little child's life. All right, guys, I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you learned a little bit about the direction that we should be pointing pregnant women who are also diagnosed with OUD. Very sensitive topic, complicated topic. There's so much that goes into it. But again, the take-home message is that the withdrawal itself is much more traumatizing to the body, much more difficult for both the mom and the baby, and trying to encourage a pregnant woman or a recently postpartum woman to do that right away because you think you're helping, it's not a good thing for anybody. So, all right, guys, uh, follow along on Instagram. I'm at Reaction Recovery for daily topics websites www.reactionrecovery.com you know send this episode to somebody who you might think uh would would enjoy it would get something out of it and keep the conversation going bye for now